Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season six, episode six, Heart Like a Wheelchair. This is a pretty good episode. Yeah, I mean, fair warning, it is graceless. Yes, grace is gone. Literally, grace is there, and also it's not handled very much tact or grace. Mm -hmm. But grace is not present. Yes, grace is still alternately, depending on which universe you're in, uh, in Cambodia, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, or having severe morning sickness and not being able to be on the TV show. Possibly both. Possibly both. Good point. Life is like a box of timelines. That would be a real big plot twist. (laughs) There was like a secret Grace baby that I didn't even know about on the show. They'll bring it back in the revival. Don't worry. All right. Let's do the episode description. Sounds good. Will takes his mother for an afternoon stroll and bumps into an attractive bachelor, Dylan McDermott. Karen continues her lifelong quest to hunt down hubby stealing Lorraine. I thought this episode was fun but frustrating because as a proponent of Will actually having a love life, Mm -hmm. I was very frustrated by him having a love life with Dylan McDermott. Yes. Okay, so first off, Dylan McDermott is best known to me, and I think probably also you, Mm -hmm. for his roles on the various American Horror Stories. He was Ben, one of the protagonists in Murder Mm -hmm. House, and then he also played Johnny, who is the... Uh, product of Lana being raped by Dr. Threadson, a.k.a. Leather- Leatherface, and then he becomes, like, Leatherface 2.0. Mm-hmm. So I think both of us sat here watching this being like, is this character actually creepy, or are we just prepared to accept Dylan McDermott as a murderer? I will say that in retrospect, that did definitely help the quality of the episode because, like, it upped the creepy level of Dylan McDermott's character exponentially. Yeah, so the, sh- the short version is that he meets Will in the park while he's also walking his elderly mother in her mm-hmm. wheelchair. And at first he seems like charming, albeit a very big mama's boy. Right. And but then of course we're watching this having watched him be in like a horror show twice and we're right. like, oh no, he's gonna kill Will. <laughs> oh no, he's definitely gonna kill Will and also skin his mother and live in her skin. Yeah, I, I, admittedly like it almost overcorrects you because you kind of there's no moment of doubt where you're like Dylan McDermott is a normal person willing his mother around. Like You're right. always like, Dylan McDermott is a murderer. Yep. And he's going to murder Will. And he's going to murder Will's mom. And he's going to put Will's mom's skin over his mom's skin. And then he's going to put Will's skin under his skin somehow. I don't know how. You know, Maybe I over the fingernails. I thought I thought of it the other way. Like he was going to dress his mom up in Will's skin. Oh, that could be And then wear Will's sk- mom's skin. Right. You don't think he would have Will wear his mom's skin? No. He's not going to kill his mom. Oh, he loves his mom. But does he love her so much he might kill her? Fair point. We've all seen that horror movie. This sort of feels like we've turned into like a speculative fiction podcast briefly, <laughs> where we're just like, let's just talk about the ways in which Dylan McDermott's character could have killed someone and worn someone else's skin. I feel like that must be like a recurring book club on Night Vale or something. <laughs> like, oh, it's the who would wear whose skin book club. <laughs> and now it's time for the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so Dylan McDermott's character, I don't think is meant to be as creepy as we mm-hmm. felt him, but he's still creepy like as fuck. super creepy. So like, yeah, he's like, oh yes, I walk mother around this park every mm-hmm. day. And it's creepy. It's very creepy. And Will apparently is so goddamn desperate mm-hmm. that he's like, this is fine. I don't want to minimize the fact that Dylan McDermott is an attractive man and all things considered, I would also want to bring my mother back to the park to continue hooking up with him. But, like, 
girl, you gotta have some standards. Like, Yeah, like this episode, if nothing else, proves that Will is prepared to go out with a mama's boy potential murderer. Yes. That is how desperate he is to get laid. Like, to jump to the end, like... Will invites him out finally and convinces him to leave mother for a night. Any person who calls their mother or their spouse or frankly anybody. Anyone. Mother. mother. Instead of like mom. Or Karen. <laughs> Matthew, your mom's name is actually Karen. I'm not, I'm not sure you're allowed to make Karen jokes. <laughs> I think I'm the only person who is allowed. Mm, think about it. Nope. Get back to me. Nope. But then his mom like hurts her wrist and like... Dylan McDermott chews Will out and is like, I knew I should never have left Mother. And Will is still like, so are we on for lunch on Thursday? Yeah, like Will, you know, remember a few episodes ago, and by a few episodes ago, I mean a few seasons ago, Mm -hmm. when Will went to therapy for a little bit? He should do that again. He should do that again. Yeah. But like, with like a good therapist. Who's not going to try to steal his best friend. Yeah. That was weird. I forgot about that episode. Or the whatever therapist they saw when they decided they were having a baby together and the therapist was like, that's a good idea. That therapist was also wrong. Yeah, Will needs it was probably the same thing. A good therapist. And you can tell how bad things are when Blythe Danner, you know, she's a good mom because mm-hmm. she's trying to help Will get his swerve on despite the fact that she's like, ugh, his mother is so dull. What could I possibly talk to her about? And then it's like, oh, so even though you lost the leg, you still feel the arthritis? <laughs> like, she finds things to talk about with her, which I did appreciate. But, you know, she she is kind of taking one for the team and letting Will try and, like, flirt with this boy. Mm-hmm. But she does kind of reach a point where she's like, sweetheart, you, like, need to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, as explicit as, like, your standards are terrible. Please right. seek help. But it's kind of, like, a waspy way of saying so. Mm-hmm. I actually appreciate how great Blythe Danner is in this episode. She's wonderful. It kind of elevates it from, like, mm, this episode is too creepy and hasn't held up to, like, there's still some rewarding potential in here. Right. Like, Blythe Danner up until now has mostly been a stock character mm-hmm. and kind of a flat... Right, she's Will. very waspy. She's very bad at expressing emotions. But ever since she's come back into Will's life and they had that moment a couple episodes ago where they're like, oh, I guess we should communicate with each other. Crazy. Crazy. Like, she has shown legitimately more depth. Mm-hmm. Like, in this episode alone, she is not waspy. She doesn't withhold her emotions. She has, like, a real honest conversation with Will about his dating life. Right, and then... And she, she supports him in it. Right, and then she also is very clear that she needs to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... It's it's leaps and bounds forward. Her therapist is going to be thrilled. Well, whoever her therapist is, and maybe her therapist is just, you know... A bottle of gin. Potentially. There was a moment early on in the episode in which she talks to Karen about how Karen told her to, you know, use visualization to work through pain, and then <laughs> proceeded to put, you know... Her pills into the trash, and by the trash we mean Karen's mouth, and even Karen is self-aware enough to know that that's the trash. Um, that that was kind of funny too, but it it did genuinely seem like Blythe Danner's character has Marilyn has grown a lot in this episode, mm-hmm. and it's especially interesting when we consider the most recent revival episode that we just saw, right? Which, if you recall, Will and Grace are now step siblings, and their dad and mom are married. So Grace's dad has married mm-hmm. Will's mom. And Grace's dad needed a blood transfusion, and Will is the only person available who had his blood type, so he wouldn't have to go and wait through the blood bank. And we find out that Will's, um, sorry, that Grace's dad has rejected Will's blood because mm-hmm. he's gay and AIDS and blah, 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 blah. And we see Blythe Danner, like, you know, tell him that there are some things worth fighting about mm-hmm. and that they were going to fight about this because yeah. that was inappropriate. Like, until I saw literally this episode of the original Will and Grace, 
I thought that was a huge jump for Blythe Danner. I was mm-hmm. very proud of her. Still proud of her. Still a pretty big jump, but it's not quite as big. But there's there's little breadcrumbs of it in this episode where, mm-hmm. like, she is, because she's been spending time with Will and because she's communicating with him, she is able to have a more nuanced, better perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, this is some of the best character development we've ever seen in Will and Grace. Ever. Bar none. On the entire show. I mean, I'm talking about main characters. I'm talking about love interests. Like, yeah. this is easily the top five. Like, just the... And I mean, if you think about it, in 2004, this was kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. in, like, the... Even though right now it sort of seems very mundane to us in 2019 watching it. Like, having a character have a relatively okay relationship with his mom and be able to frankly tell her, I'm gay and this thing is happening and I want to date this guy and I need your help and her to be like, okay. Well, and on a, on a broader level, like, there's almost something kind of subversive about the whole plot line. Like, you've got this scenario where basically these mothers are bearding for their sons so that they can have a socially appropriate way to cruise each other in the park, in public, in front of other people, mm-hmm. without it seeming too gay for other people. You know what I mean? Although, it's, if anyone listened in on that conversation, it was extreme. I mean, obviously, gay. they were clearly gay. They were walking their mothers in the park. But at that level, like, there's still, like, a... There's, like, a veneer of straightness there or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's the plausible excuse... You know, it's it's yeah. when the two gay guys schedule their wives, you know, away weekend at the same time. And then they both go skiing together, but they're actually having sex on Brokeback Mountain. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it's it was a really interesting plot. And naturally, as we sort of mentioned, it resolves because Will does eventually convince Dylan McDermott to come to dinner mm-hmm. with him outside of... Um, Mo- like mom and son double dating. Yes. And it goes terribly because mother hurts herself trying to make Jiffy Pop. And, you <laughs> but know. But it's Jiffy Pop night. It's Jiffy Pop night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you ever have a Jiffy Pop Pop night with your mother, I will drag you out of that house by the hair. I would never do that. My mom and I don't like Jiffy Pop. Okay. Well, if you have anything similar, if you have Pringles night, I'm dragging you out. Why would we have Pringles night? I don't know. You like Pringles. Yeah, but not the, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> I will not let you develop that sort of creepy relationship with your mother, and you're welcome. The other thing I want to say about this plotline that I think is interesting before we move on is just, I think, kind of keeping with that theme of characters growing and changing, this is kind of that Will and Grace episode where the guest star is like a bizarro version of Will. And I think it's interesting that it it's showing us a Will who is better about being a mama's boy mm-hmm. than this crazy person. Right. And, like, it shows him developing so he's less like that, but has a real relationship with his mom. Right. It also kind of shows us that Will has developed healthier boundaries with his mother. Yes. And sometimes those boundaries are a bit too strict and Mm -hmm. they can be restrictive. But in this case, we really see, oh, no, he's doing a pretty good job, at least compared to this this guy. Right. Well, that's the thing is that Dylan McDermott and his mom don't have a relationship either. Right, because Dylan McDermott's mom is so old and so senile and so deaf and Mm -hmm. disabled that she's not really a person anymore. The show kind of turns her into, like, a puppet he pushes around in a chair. Yes. Which is problematic in a number of ways. The show just kind of, throughout the, you know, 20-minute episode, have her kind of vacillate through different levels of senility. Right. Which is a weird, awkward choice. Right, because there's a bit where we see that she's talking, we don't actually hear her speak to Blythe Danner, Mm -hmm. but we hear her response in which Marilyn is like, oh, yes, and you still feel the arthritis. So you yes. know that she was able to converse with her. But then in other times, it seems like she's complete, like a complete invalid who's yes. unable to, like, feed herself, wash herself, walk herself. Mm-hmm. 
And that's and that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. And the episode can't really decide what level of disability they want to give this character. And then a little bit of that is the joke. Like, she can't even make popcorn without injuring herself. Right. And it's like, that's not... That's a little problematic. That's not terribly funny to make fun of people who are prone to injury. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> Unless they're Tess. Unless they're me. It's perfectly acceptable to make fun of me, as I am very prone to injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Um, also, one other thing I found was interesting was that Marilyn sort of played, like, the the hag role this mm-hmm. episode a little bit. She's, sort she's of, definitely standing in for Grace. Yeah, she's kind of Grace's stand-in here. And I think she knows that. And I also think that's why she's eventually very real with Will mm-hmm. about how she can't stick around just to basically be his hag. Mm-hmm. This does kind of seem like a plot that if you had Grace break her foot, the same thing could happen. Yes. Maybe not so much with the mother pit. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. Yeah, or maybe it's something, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's some plot they were planning for later in the season as, you know, Deborah Messing got even more pregnant and they just pushed it up when she had to leave the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, could be. Like some of the stuff does seem like it's been, the tags seem like they've been kind of tacked on to get mm-hmm. Blythe Danner to stay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a writer for Will and Grace. None yes. of us are. Hire us, please. Please, Let's please, talk please. about Jack and Karen. Let's talk about Jack, baby. Let's and mostly Karen, I think, Mostly Karen. Okay, so first off, I want to say that Karen is extremely bisexual this week. And she's not the only one. No, she's not. Because you know who else is bisexual? Lyle. And Lyle, if you're like, who the fuck is that? That is Lorraine's father. And mm-hmm. he's played by John Cleese. So I, to jump ahead beyond this episode a little bit, this is starting to help me put the pieces together because I distinctly remember when we were watching the revival season... And we were still back in, like, season three. They introduced Minnie Driver's character, and they introduced Minnie Driver's character, and she was talking about how Karen is her stepmother. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But, like, now I can kind of see, like, what we're doing here. I told you that it would all be revealed in good time. In the fullness of time, yes. Yes, so, um, basically, we see the first introduction of Karen and Lyle. Mm -hmm. And so Karen is on, like, her continued journey to come and... Like, destroy Lorraine. Right. And um, there's a beautiful moment where she's trying to convince Will to come with her and do it. And somewhere in there, she, like, starts to develop, like, what's... It's not aphasia. It's the thing where you start putting words in incorrect order and, like, mixing up your nouns and stuff. Latin? Whatever. Not important. <laughs> it's, like, a neurological thing. Yeah. Anyways, she, like, starts, like, spitting out the sentence out of order and mm-hmm. is drunk and eventually convinces Jack to come do it with a nonsensical sentence, which was yes. very, very reminiscent of, do you want to help me? Yep. Yes. the gay spelling bee. So anyways, they go to the hotel where they found an elf Finster is checked in. And Karen is like, I'm just going to wait for her to get back. But when she gets back, I'm going to have sex with her until she dies. <laughs> Great way to go. Yeah. I think. Frankly, that doesn't sound like much of a punishment to me. Mm-hmm. It might. I mean, there could be chafing, I guess. But You probably die from the chafing. Oh, no. Death by chafing. Sepsis, the silent killer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's waiting outside of the hotel room for Lorraine to return. And Jack naturally leaves because he wanted a string cheese or whatever. Right, of course. And so then she like attempts to climb through the window and happens upon this elderly British man. And the elderly British man offers her a boost. And then she gets in the window. She's like, oh, this isn't going to work. There isn't a tall British guy on the other side. He's like, oh, I might be able to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And opens the door. Right. And all is revealed. He is Lorraine's father. Yes. Which is kind of... A good way of playing with a lot of different things. Yes. Like, it brings us a character who can enter Karen's life who has some history with her, Mm -hmm. sort of. Um, It gives Karen a clear objective, which is to find out where Lorraine is. Right. Which, of course, he cannot tell her, but he's not going to tell her that. Right. Yeah, so we see this sort of develop where she's like, 
you should tell me where Lorraine is. And he's mm-hmm. like, why should I tell you? What am I going to get for it? And so they agree that for every kiss she gives him, he will give her a bit of information. It's kind of like a genie situation where yes. it's like, I will grant three wishes. Yes. But you have to make out with me first. Right. And so they make out. But then Karen keeps falling into the trap of asking yes or no questions. Mm-hmm. And then also didn't clarify that he wasn't allowed to lie. So right. after like six different kisses, we discover that he has no fucking clue where Lorraine right, is. And so then Karen leaves in a huff because she's very upset. Mm-hmm. And then we see Lyle, who's apparently grown very fond of her face in the four minutes that they met each other. You know, he... Karen does have that effect on he's people. He's trying to track her down and he's canceled both of his sex workers for the evening, <laughs> which, again, was problematic. I don't understand why, like, it's a cool thing to do to show people being Johns on television, but, you know, the early 2000s were a different time. And the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and the 50s and then when they invented television. And let's be real, also probably... Radio dramas, plays, books... I was going to go back in towards the future and be like, then the 2010s and the current time. Oh, I was just going to go keep going until cave paintings unless you stop me. Oh, God. We would have been here forever. <laughs> anyway, so he cancels his sex workers for the evening and then um, tries to find Karen. And he happens to... Um, so he happens upon Jack, who has returned finally with his string cheese and his little Debbie snack for Karen... And then proceeds to make essentially the exact same deal with Jack, which (laughs) Which is... Which we don't get to see, tragically. uh, I know, but it's a kiss for every piece of information. Right. And again, I'm very upset that the show wouldn't just let us get to experience this beautiful John Cleese on Jack McFarlane kissing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at least we get the implied image. Yes. And And I imagine it took Jack a lot longer than it took Karen to figure it out. Probably. But anyways, so... We eventually learn that John Cleese has now found Karen at Grace Adler Designs, sans Grace Adler. And then they argue about how she's not interested in having any time spent with him. And then they make out some more. Right, of course. So. This was a very interesting plot for me because Lyle Finster is no different than any of Karen's other non-Stan relationships. Yes. And yet, I found this immensely pleasurable. I think that, like, if you think about it, his sort of stock character is the same thing as, like, Malcolm, who we hate, Mm -hmm. and every other dude that she's briefly dated who we've hated. They're all kind of smarmy. They're all kind of wealthy. Every time they have a throwaway line, you're like, that's a human rights violation. Exactly. Which, you know, is kind of also Karen's shtick. Right. And that's just it, is that Karen keeps dating these people who are like herself. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that I think there's something... I think it's just the style of John Cleese's humor. I mean, he's right. like a Monty Python guy. Yeah. He's very British, very dry. He's very British, very dry, feels very proper. So when he says improper things, mm-hmm. it's funnier than if he was just like a smarmy, gross, old yes. American man. I think it's kind of similar to Lorraine herself. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very real similarity there where they, because they're coming at the comedy from a very different perspective, they work better than some of the other foils that Karen Walker has. Right, where we've seen her go up against other wealthy socialites before. Right. And it hasn't been as amusing. Mm-hmm. versus seeing Or her, Beverly Leslie. Right. And seeing her go up against Lorraine is interesting because they're competing for the affections of someone. Mm-hmm. And they have very vastly different personalities. Yeah. Lorraine has the British accent, but she's the opposite of proper. Yes. Whereas Karen has yanked herself up from her, like, con man ways of her past. Right. Well, and I think there's just something genuinely... I don't know how to put my finger on it. I mean, it's, it's not just that they're British and it's not just that they're trained in a different style of comedy, but something about both Minnie Driver and John Cleese as actors is able to put a more satirical spin on what they're saying yes. than some of the other actors who get cast in those right. same roles. I think it's something about 
something about the way that they both perform these characters makes it feel much more like a satire and a commentary right. than a lot of the other portrayals that we've seen on the show. I mean, I think, honestly, in the present-day revival episodes, I honestly think that the character of Malcolm is completely hobbled by the fact that you know that Alec Baldwin is like that in real life. Yes. Like, I mean, it's a complete... You can't get around it. Yeah. And the show seems to be fine with that, and that is their choice. They can make that choice. It's okay to be wrong. I don't feel like John Cleese's life is in real life. No. He could be, but he doesn't have that public persona. Right. His public persona is much more like bizarre grandfatherly. You know? Like, he's the Monty Python guy. He played nearly headless Nick in Harry Potter. Right. You know, he he comes across as more, like, witty and goofy and Mm -hmm. weird it also helps that he creepy. has more physical comedy to deal with. Right. He's very tall, and that is mm-hmm. very much part of the comedy with Karen, right. where she like literally has to climb him like a and tree. And the kissing is very ridiculous Yes, and the kissing isn't like how normal people kiss mm-hmm. or make out. It's like they're like smooshing each other's faces right, and really right. getting into each other's hair, and she's climbing on him, and he's grabbing her butt. And if I'm being honest, the parts of characters like Malcolm that work the best are those physical comedy bits, mm-hmm. because they are irrespective of the way the character is being written or the way the actor is portraying the character in, like, a reading sense. Right. Um, so. But, yeah, um, we've finally been introduced to Lyle, and as Matthew has deduced, it is going to be someone whom we will... We will see again. We will see again. Okay. And I enjoy John Cleese as an actor, so I'm excited about this mm-hmm. arc that we're approaching. I think he's one of the better guest actors we've seen. I mean, it was nice to get him and Blythe Danner in the same episode. It was. It was also a very parent-heavy episode, but it in a was. good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, no one tried to have sex with Will's mom. Thank fucking God. I mean, not really. Blythe Danner can definitely still get it. Oh, I mean, yeah. Get it, girl. But also, it's like... Will's mom. Sometimes you just don't want to see your character's moms. Mm-hmm. Get it on. That's not great. Let's get it on. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about everything we wanted to talk about this week. Is is that is that a thing that you would agree with? I would agree with that thing, yes. Cool. Now now that you are in agreement with the thing I said, would you tell everyone where we live on the internet? I will direct people to our internet homes, yes. Uh, our primary internet residence is Twitter, where we can be found at Not A Couple Show. You can also visit us at our summer homes of Facebook and Twitter. Nope, I said Twitter. <laughs> of Facebook and Tumblr. We also have a timeshare on uh, Gmail. <laughs> You can send us a note at our timeshare at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to listen to us, we do have a, I don't know, have a, I don't have a good pun for this. I'm sorry. Airbnb. We, we have some Airbnb hosting. Good idea. If you want to stay in previous versions of our lives or something, we just put the podcast on iTunes, uh, Podbean and Spotify. <laughs> I I don't know. You I, were trying so hard. I was trying so hard. I guess I don't have a future in timeshare sales. No. Or comedy. No. All right. Well, now that we're um, packing up our comedy bags and heading the road to go do other things, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. This week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one mischievous kitten. Meow. Don't do that, Eliza. This week's episode was brought to you by the Wearing Other People's Skin Book Club. Have you ever read a book and been like, damn, that person's going to wear someone else's skin? Gather around, get your friends, join our book club. <laughs>